Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of it. Please make sure you download. Now, I don't know if you download. You've already done that, right? You subscribe. You subscribe. That's what I was trying to say. You subscribe, push the, the subscribe button, push uh, whatever other buttons you, you need to push, but push some buttons uh, and and help us out over here. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Are you are you, you're, you you seem a little rattled. Are you? No, I'm not rattled. Are you feeling the effects of... Your week-long war with no, Philadelphia no, fan and no. Philadelphia media. What's going on? No, I know. Well, I know. I know what Philadelphia fan. I, I have a pretty good sense. I've been. Around, I played enough against Philadelphia. I've been around Philadelphia enough. I've done enough stuff over the years, both with ESPN and now with Fox, with Philadelphia fan. Um, so no, I am not. I'm not all at all rattled. Um, as a matter of fact, I like it. I like the hate. You know, when I got into this business, one, I, I do this to entertain myself. You know that, right? That's the only reason I do this business, <laughs> to entertain myself and, and to draw a paycheck, okay? So those are the only two reasons I do it. Uh, so I understand that. The other thing is a, a wise man once said to me when I first got in this business, you want 50% of the people to love you and 50% of the people to hate you. And if you do that, if you have that ratio, you're doing a good job. So, like, I, I love the hate. I love it when people throw things at me. The other thing is, whether you're a fan or whether you're a media member, and you know who I'm talking about, um, if if what you say to me is, the broadcast was horrendous, you're awful, it's two X's and O's, plus you were so biased, you didn't hear the game you wanted to hear. I don't get paid to, to talk about the game that you want to hear. I get paid to cover the game in front of me. And if you're throwing at me, especially a media member, that I was biased in my broadcast, then you're a candy-ass bitch, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. That's exactly what you are. I didn't get to hear the game I wanted to hear. Ugh, he's horrible at what he does. He's the worst ever. You're a candy-ass bitch. That's what you are. So I like the, I I can't help you if you didn't get to hear the game that you wanted to hear. Sorry, I'm not sorry. So what was the beef? Uh, you we I talked was, I we was, talked about the right. Washington Philadelphia game that you called for Fox last week. Uh, so what was what was the beef? Apparently, I was supposed to blow sunshine up the ass of of Philadelphia fan, even when. Um, 
a team that had given up 40 sacks in seven games, that couldn't protect their quarterback, that refuses to run the ball, a team that I eviscerated on this podcast and went in there, and every coach talked to me about it, and you know what? They accepted it. They weren't making excuses. They weren't, oh, you're being too hard on us. Oh, you're biased against us. Oh, no, they were like, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. So a team in Philadelphia who's a far better team, who I've talked about many times as being the best team in the National Football League right now, a team like that who was facing a team that couldn't run it, refused to run it, couldn't protect their quarterback, had given up 40 sacks, and to that point gave up 400 yards of offense, over 400 yards of offense, four TD passes to a kid that couldn't hang upright and didn't sack him until the very last play of the game. And, and and broke down, had mental busts, mental busts in in, uh, in coverage, and got torched on double moves. The whole, what I'm that's I'm supposed to blow sunshine up your up your skirt. You're the best team in the NFL, and you didn't show up in that particular game. No, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm getting paid for. And by the way, I praised Washington because they were absolute horseshit against the Giants. It was it set football back forty years, and yet they come they came into that game, rectified those issues, fixed their issues, and played exceptionally well and threw touchdown passes and and beat you on double moves. They did a lot of really good things. So instead of focusing on the poor performance I saw in Philly, I focused more on what was right with Washington and the corrections they made. And if you don't like that, again, you're a candy ass bitch. Three of them. Okay, so that brings us to this week's game, Philadelphia and another fan base yeah. that loves you, yeah. Dallas Cowboy fans, because, oh, boy, you've had nothing but nice things to say about yeah. the uh, Cowboys. I think uh, I heard earlier on one of these podcasts, hey, doesn't matter what the Cowboys do well because at some point they're going to choke. So with that as the backdrop, no. let's talk about this game, Eagles and Cowboys. Yeah, Eagles and Cowboys. Uh, again, like like I've said from from day one, like I said on the broadcast, I think Philadelphia is a team you can forget about all the skill they have. AJ Brown is as good as it gets in this league, and between he and Tyreek Hill, like pick your poison. But those are the two best wide receivers in football. And AJ Brown is a complete player. He's a great right. Jalen Hurts is playing really good football. Uh, the biggest issue between Philadelphia last year and Philadelphia this year is they're turning the ball over, fumbles, interceptions, a couple of things. They clean that stuff up. They're a juggernaut. And I think the crazy thing, talking to Nick Sirianni uh, about this team, it's the way I felt about this team. They're built from the inside out. I think they have done a tremendous job. Howie Roseman has done a great job of uh, of just building a bully. I mean, they are the biggest, strongest, most athletic, physical team uh, in the National Football League. And when they lean into that, and that's who they are, I just think they're the best team in football. Now, Dallas defensively has some some components. I think their front seven's really good. I think, obviously, um, you know, they can blitz you. They can do a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball. Um, too inconsistent on the offensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. Uh, Philadelphia's got to get their stuff together defensively, though. Their back end, and, and a lot of it is not their fault. Their back end, they've had a bunch of injuries. So their secondary, they've had eight different starting combinations in eight separate games. That's hard to build continuity. And, of course, they started Kevin Bayard in that game they just traded for on Tuesday against Washington, and there was some communication issues and some what I would call busts in their back end. 
So they have got to get that rectified. Another week of practice should help them with that. And there's going to be great coaching tape off Washington because Washington got them on double moves. Washington got them on some stuff that they just flat didn't expect them to get. And I think one of the things they thought about the double moves is that, listen, because our protection or because Washington's protection has been so bad, they're not going to be able to get us with double moves because our pass rush will get there. So I think there was some gambling going on in that back end saying, we're going to jump these, like we're going to jump all these moves because they've got to work on orchestrating, getting that ball out quickly. And obviously they weren't, they weren't doing that. And so, you know, Washington, Washington hung 31. But the thing is, is that Philadelphia was that good that they could put 38 up on Washington and win that football game. Here's a view of Dallas outside Dallas. They are a bully. They are a team that will beat up and look impressive in beating the mediocre teams. Yeah. But they'll spit the bit and yeah. just not show against the the better teams out there. So for Dallas this weekend, what do they need to accomplish? Do they have to flat out win this game? Or do they at least just have to go to Philadelphia and play a hard-fought game? No. I, I think that Dallas to, Dallas to get national credibility – like the, like you said, they they will always beat up on the teams that they're supposed to beat up on, but when they play a team that is physically, you know, equal to them, but has that mental that stands up to them, right? That yeah. has that mental attitude. Um, they seem to be able to roll over to those teams. And so my thought process with with the Dallas Cowboys, you've got to go into Philly and you got to win in Philly to prove that you belong. You belong with a chair at the big boy table. And um, and if you can do that, sorry, uh, I, I, I think it's Jerry Jones. It's Jerry. <laughs> is Jerry calling you right now, or is that somebody from Philly? <laughs> they're getting yeah, a jump. They're getting, they're getting a jump start on it. <laughs> Tell Mark to leave us alone. Stop Mike. calling us a candy yeah. ass bitch. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I think it, to get legit credibility, I think you gotta. I think you gotta you, you gotta go into Philly and if you go into Philly and win, you, you'll get you'll yeah. get legit credibility. That'll get people's legit attention. Credibility. That'll get people's attention. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Meanwhile, yeah. over in the motherland, Germany. Yes. You're bummed out that you didn't get to call one of these oh, Germany man, games. I wanted huh? to go. Well, we didn't get Fox didn't get any of the overseas games this year. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that whole thing works. I don't really pay attention. Um, but they didn't get any of the overseas game overseas games. Um, but Germany would have been awesome. Oh man, I'd have had my leader hosing on. 
right. <laughs> drinking your steins of beer. Yeah, can't you just see just, just, just a week-long Oktoberfest with right, Mark Schlereth. Big old barrel-chested guy with these little <laughs> turkey legs hanging out and some lederhosen or lederhosen or whatever you call the hosens. Yodeling oh, up in the mountains. Oh, yes. <laughs> Miami yeah. and Kansas City. Yeah. Great matchup. Great matchup. Mm. Uh, we just saw Kansas City here last week in, in Denver, and they did not look impressive. No. So it, it feels. We saw, hey, we saw Miami get right get throttled a week ago by uh, by, by Philly. Philly. Yeah. All right, then is Miami the AFC version of Dallas, a team that will look really impressive and put up big numbers against the also Rams, but against a good team. What do we know about the Dolphins? Yeah. What do they have to prove? Well, I mean, I think uh, obviously offensively. Um, I think teams have been so scared of their speed. And now I've had several different coaches, the latest being Nick Sirianni, that have mentioned to me unsolicited that they have never seen Tyreek's, Tyreek Hill's speed equaled on an NFL football field. They're like, it is like, you can watch it on film, but when you, Face it, and you play against. I've never ever seen anybody as fast as that dude on a football field. I don't think it's. Just, I think any of us watching on TV, watching this guy, he just, he just operates on another gear. It's on. It is unreal. And you, so you start watching, you know, middle of field open defenses where safeties have their heels at twelve to fourteen yards deep. You play Miami. 17 to 20 yards deep. So the the intermediate area of the football field is so wide open. And what you end up having to do, I think, what you end up having to do is you have to get your linebackers more depth from the start, from the way they line up, to their drops. So if your normal hook drop is 8 to 10 yards, your hook drop better be 10 to 14 yards. And then live with throwing it underneath, rallying up and making a tackle. And and saying, we're just going to live with that. Because what they get you is they get you, they get you, like, when I played, and, and this is this is part of, should be part of every NFL offense, right? If you're going to play with your receivers, or you're going to play with your safeties, you know, heels at 14 yards deep, we're going to run your ass out of that. Like, what you gonna, you're going to play us in, in light boxes, we're just going to run your ass out of it until you have to bring a safety down. Because if you have to bring a safety down, now what do I have? One or three. I don't care. I know one or three. You know where I'm going to match it. I know I got one on ones the outside. I got access out there. So um, yeah, it's just the way. It's just the way they play. This should be a great game, and I look for. A, I'm looking for a bounce back uh, by Miami. The way they run the ball, the way they do things. They uh, Philadelphia handled them. Yeah. Just. Flat out handled him. And I, I don't know if there was just a letdown by Philadelphia. Like, oh, good, Washington now. But Washington's always played them really well. So this, this should be Miami and, and Kansas City after Kansas City kind of laid an egg here in Denver. This should be a good, a really good matchup. Maybe this isn't fair to, to Dolphin fan. But look, you've beaten the Chargers, the Patriots twice, mm-hmm. the Broncos, the Giants, and the Panthers. Right. And you've lost fairly convincingly to the Bills and to the Eagles. Yeah. I until they prove otherwise, they're just a pretender. Who who did Miami play last week? Sorry, they're they beat the Patriots. Oh, they beat they're, the Patriots. They're yeah. a pretender. 
Yeah. And this is one of those games where they can go out and change the narrative, yeah, just out, like Dallas. Yeah, you go has out to. you you go out and beat a good team in Kansas City, uh, you know, albeit in Germany. You go out and beat a good team in Germany, kind of neutral field. Uh, yeah, I think I think all of a sudden I think I, I still think Miami's really the, Miami's just unique in the way they're structured and built. But you go out and beat Kansas City, I think you're you know, I think it legitimizes it answers all the questions of who have you really beat? Yeah. Those questions. The uh, the emotional game of the the weekend, Bills in Cincinnati. And we all yeah. know what happened Oof. last year. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Yeah. Back to the, DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin. And and, and thankfully, that, that's really turned out to be a, a, an amazing story. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, d- does that hang over this, this game at all? Or because it feels like there has been that happy ending – Everybody can just kind of move on and concentrate on what is a terrific matchup. Yeah, it sh- it should be. I mean, it's always going to be there, right? There's always going to be that spot in the back of your mind as you're prepping, uh, as you're going through pregame, as you're doing all that stuff. Once the ball's kicked off, you don't think about stuff like that. You're just thinking about playing. Um, but it is it is a, a remarkable story, and Demar Hamlin's a, a remarkable kid. And um, look forward to the day that I get to meet him. Um, cause it just was, it's, it is, you know, you, you have a certain brotherhood in the NFL and regardless of where you played or what you did, th- there is that connection that you have with, with guys and, um, and, and organizations and all that kind of stuff. So, um, bottom line is I think it's, I think it's a pretty awesome story. I think right now, Cincinnati is that team that nobody truly wants to play. And you look at a couple of things. One, everybody will focus upon Joe Burrow, and rightfully so. Joe is, you know, Joe Cool. I mean, that guy's all balls. And um, and now that he's healthy and he's scrambling around, he can protect himself. I did a I did a game of his in like week three or week four. Um, he lost uh, he, the the Bengals lost to the Titans, and like there were times where he just had a self sack. There were times where there, there was pressure. There's just there was no escapability. And they're going to operate out of shotgun in pretty much the entirety of the game and all that stuff. But there's he couldn't boot out. He couldn't play action. He couldn't. There's just a bunch of stuff he couldn't do. And now that he can do all that stuff, they're starting to play really well again. But I think the hidden gem is we focus so much on uh, Jamar Chase and we focus so much on on uh, you know Joe Burrow and and the offensive side of the ball with Mixon and, and the other guys they have Higgins and you know they've got some players that we tend to forget how good this defense has the potential of being. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And uh, Lou uh, Anarumo is a phenomenal football coach. 
and they're one of the more, call them, um, multiple defenses you will watch play. And they are very tied together. They don't make a lot of mental mistakes, and they create a lot of plays based upon like all like how multiple they are. And let's face it, you look at Josh Allen, man, they've, they've turned the ball over, especially in the red zone in the last year and a half. They've turned the ball over. They don't feel like they don't feel like they feel like they're still searching for an identity. Ever since ever since um, Brian Dable left, they just feel like they're not quite in sync for four whole quarters. And I, I don't know. I, I kind of like Cincinnati in this game. Josh McDaniels. Hurricane Josh, we call him here in Denver. Uh, When he got his first head coaching opportunity, it did not work out well here. Right. Broncos fans flat out despised him, and he ended up getting fired. And he got that second chance with the Raiders, and it was going to be different, supposedly. Mm -hmm. But it didn't work out. He got fired. Broncos fans are rejoicing. Mm Mm-hmm. First of all, they'd love to see the Raiders miserable. Right. But it was it's kind of a case of, hey, we warned you. We tried to tell you. Yeah, we did. You didn't we listen. Did. And now you're finding is, out. Is there anybody with a worse coaching tree mm. than Bill Belichick? Wow. Think about, like, GM, head coach, Patricia and the GM go to Detroit. It's an abject disaster. You got Charlie Weiss. You got Romeo Cornell. You've got... Josh McDaniels, you've got Eric Mangini, Eric, Man- Bill Belichick, or yeah. I mean, uh, Bill, Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. yeah. You knew who I was talking about. I mean, has, has, is there been, you, know, you look at the Shanahan tree, mm-hmm. you know, like in, in all the flowers that we throw at the Shanahan tree with Kyle and with McVay and with LaFleur and with, maybe they just went to places that had good quarterbacks. Um, but I, it just feels like, now it does feel like, Josh is going to go back into the bosom of the hoodie, right? Consultant, you know, understand the error of my ways. He's never going to get another head coaching job, right? Unless it's in New England. It's the only place yeah. I could imagine. So if, But even then, it looks like Gerard Mayo is the coach in waiting there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. He could go back and, you know, be a consultant and then become the offense coordinator under Gerard Mayo. Maybe. Maybe, but it just it just feels like why why has all the why have all the Belichick disciples failed authenticity? I mean, it boils down to more than that. Listen, X's and O's. Do you have to be the greatest X's and O coach to be a great head coach? No, you can hire great X's and O's guys. You have to establish an identity, a philosophy, and it has to be real. And when you stand in front of your thing and say, we're going to bring back some, you know, patriot principles or we're going to, this is how we did it there and this is what works and trust me, I know this is the way it has to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, when when that's what you constantly preach or who you con- who you are, like it's it just becomes part of your fabric, players just roll their eyes and go, here we go. Now, listen, if you win a bunch of games, mm-hmm. great. But they're just, it's almost as though the players are waiting for you to fail. Like, oh, here we go. They guy, go in with this preconceived notion this that guy thinks I'm he's, getting Hoodie Jr. Yeah, this guy thinks he's the Hoodie. Yeah. He thinks he's Bill. And, and the bottom line is, 
you have to understand, and I think this is where they they miss out. Bill Belichick, like like Bill Parcells, had a group of guys that were his guys. And that group of guys accepted that hard, in-your-face style of coaching. And so when the younger generation and other players came from other teams, they saw the superstar. They saw Tom Brady getting bitched at in a meeting. Like, I could get a, I could get a quarterback from Foxborough High School to do the crap you're doing. You suck, 12, you know. When you see, when you see that, um, like, you have to fall into line. And these guys come in and think they can coach the way Bill Belichick coaches. What they don't understand is Bill Belichick has got a certain gravitas and he's he's got been given a certain leeway because the guys on the team have allowed that to happen. And I think they come in and think they're going to do it just like Bill did it, and then it just falls it, it just falls upon deaf ears. What did we learn about the trade deadline? What did we learn from the trade deadline? After weeks and weeks, and and it probably happened in every single NFL city right. out there, all this talk about trades and fire sales and buyers, sellers, it ended up being kind of just a ho-hum. There were about 15, 16 moves, a uh, couple second-round picks, a couple third-round yeah. picks, but just a whole bunch of fifth, sixth, seventh-round picks. What's the lesson that we we learned from that? I think that I think the value in in regards to draft compensation, the value is people value their draft picks more than they value your players. And so now, come draft time, I think it switches a little bit. One because you've got more competition for the picks, right? Or yeah. more competition. Um, right now, there's three or four or five maybe buyers in a certain market in defensive end market, for instance. Um, whereas you know, come draft time, and you know, you don't have, you don't have necessarily, you don't have a, a good player, a, a, a solid veteran at a certain position. You say, I'll give up a second rounder for that guy because at least I know now I've got that position solidified. And now I can go out and find other guys. So, yeah, but it, it really was kind of like, eh. It was anticlimactic. Yeah, it really was. It really was. It really was. I know, like here in Denver, we were talking about, you know, maybe fire sale, fire sale, five, six d- players sent yeah. packing. But then you start to kind of hear what is going on. You realize you're probably not going to get mm-hmm. fair enough value uh, yeah. for these guys. And Broncos, for example, didn't even make one trade. Ready well, for the moneymaker? Picks? I am ready for the moneymaker. We had a good week last we week. We did. I jumped back up on you. I'm kicking your ass right <laughs> no, now. You're not. I, no, you're not. Did I go it's, three and zero? Oh? Yeah, did I did go two? Go, and, did I go two and one? Yeah, which, okay, which is, is that, better, is three that, and zero oh yeah. or, or two and one? Is that kicking my ass? Yes. Really? You're a candy ass hey, bitch. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is I win, figured that was the word of the day. Is, phrase yeah, of the day <laughs> is 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 winning in the Super Bowl more? Like, <laughs> you'd rather lose a close one in the Super Bowl, uh, or would you rather win? All right, smart guy. You go first. Okay. Uh, so I was three and zero, which takes me to a, a thirteen and eleven. No, thirteen ten and one. Okay. You were two and one, which takes you to thirteen and eleven. Oh wow, yeah, that's kicking my ass. Yeah, that's an ass kicking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a solid what G- half game, game and a half, game and a half, half game, half game, half lead? game, half game, half lead. game lead. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There you go. 
What do you got? All right, my moneymaker picks are this. I've got uh, Seattle getting five and a half against Baltimore. I'm taking the Seahawks. I've got the Bucks getting two and a half against uh, whoever they're playing. I don't even know. Uh, the Texans. Texas getting two and a half against the Texans. I like the Bucks. I like that defense. I like Todd Bowles. And then I've got the Colts giving three points up to uh, the uh, Panthers after the Panthers got their first win. That's about as much as they're going to get. So I've got uh, the Colts winning that game. That feels like a good one and two to me. Uh, I'm going to go Philadelphia. Mm. Sorry, just not buying the uh, Cowboys. Okay. And I don't want to feel the wrath of you Philly fans. So right. I'm going to take good. Philly. Love Philly. Minus three. I'm going to take the Bengals uh, minus two. I just I just think Cincinnati might not might be. I think they're the best team in the AFC right now. So I'm going to take the Bengals minus two at home over the Bills. And I'm going with the new coach bump. Anto Antonio Pierce, you're my guy. I'm going to take the Raiders uh, minus one and a half over the uh, Giants. You're giving the Raiders the Giants, though. So. Well, too late. Seems like going three to me. No, I think you're, you're one and two. I'm probably three and oh, you're one. All right, we'll find right. out. Hey, thanks for subscribing. Uh, may, make sure you throw us a comment in the comment boxes. I'll try to answer some of those. And uh, and uh, I just appreciate you guys being with us this whole stretch of the uh, the way. And um, anyhow, for everybody involved in the Stick Truth Podcast, make sure you subscribe. For Mike, I am Mark. We thank you so much.